get started tonight, before we do, I want to talk a little bit about the purpose of this message and the reasoning behind giving the admonition, the exhortation to be engaged and be a part of the local church. I titled this tonight, The Gathering, okay? The reason I did that is because I don't want our church, or any church for that matter, to get the idea that somehow virtual services are a, a fundamental replacement for actually being in a church, for actually being part of a church, for actually being engaged in a body of believers, amen? Because I can tell you, and my wife can tell you, that in the three and a half years that we have live streamed our services, not one person, everybody hold your hand up, not one person, everybody make number one, not one, not one single person has been added to the membership of this church via Facebook, via uh, YouTube, via SoundCloud, nothing, okay? The realities are staggering that even mailing out things to people does not bring members to your church. Amen? Because the hope that I hear from many pastors right now is, number one, they're like, man, we're reaching so many people. And I remember going through this, especially when COVID first started hitting and we were doing live streams every night. There was a live stream that we had over 1,200 views on, okay? And I was like, oh, man, this is going to be great. It's going to be great. But the realities of live streaming and the realities of social media and being able to get the message out there, don't take this the wrong way. It's a good thing that other people can hear, okay? It's a good thing that other people are hearing the gospel, but from a practical sense, I don't want our church members to think that home can be just as beneficial as here because that's not the case, okay? Church membership and being part of a local church has drastic, drastically more benefits than just catching a sermon online because that's all you get on ours anyway. You don't get praise and worship or anything, you know what I mean? All you get is the message in all reality when you watch from home at our church service, okay? Now, that being said, I don't want to disenfranchise those people who are actually using these mediums to listen to us, okay? But I want to use the platforms that we have to encourage those people who are a part of our body, are a part of this church, to be here for church, amen? And not, not in a, a, a way to, as ridicule, but as in a way of encouragement. Because I know so many times in our life, we get discouraged and we're like, nobody loves me. And then here's the thing. People will start staying away from church and they'll be like, well, they don't care about me. I've, I haven't been to church for three weeks and the pastor ain't called me. Okay, that's a problem. I'm not going to say that's not a problem. But when I text you and you don't answer, don't be mad. 
Yeah, yeah, we're supposed to communication is a two-way street. But the problem comes when people stay away and then they get a feeling of, you don't care about me, we haven't talked. Well, we haven't talked because you haven't come and been part of the fellowship, okay? And here's another thing that I want you to understand, too, when I'm saying this, is right now, right now, people cannot be discipled. They cannot partake of communion. They can't partake of, uh, uh, of baptism. They can't partake of fellowship with breaking bread with their brothers and sisters. They can't, iron sharpens iron. Iron can't sharpen iron apart from other iron, okay? If I have a piece of iron over here and a piece of iron over here, I'm, oh, I'm trying to sharpen it, Pastor, but it's never over here to get sharpened. How in the world is it ever going to be sharp? Brother and brothers and sisters sharpen each other, amen? Not to mention, there's a couple other things that, that you lose not being part of the body of Christ. Accountability. When you know that I'm going to come to church and everybody is uh, praying for me and praying with me and they're warring with me and they're walking with me and then I don't get to always just do what I want because I know I'm accountable to the people I'm around. Amen? It's what you do at work, right? When you're at work, you go, well, I have to do this because so-and-so is going to be after me and they need it, you know what I mean? So I'm accountable for the people I'm working with, amen? It's the same thing in the body of Christ. We need each other, amen? We need each other to do the work of the ministry, amen? We're going to look at tonight several things on how this works and how the corporate experience of being the body of Christ is drastically different from the modern view of my salvation is all about me and it's just me and Jesus but this isn't scriptural, you know what I mean? Our journey should be together, amen? It should be a part of a local body of believers that walk with you, pray with you, fellowship with you, read the word with you, hear the sermons with you, they, they pray with you, they go out and witness with you, they go, you see what I mean? All of this stuff is supposed to be done corporately, not just privately, amen? There's a benefit in private worship, but it's not the, that's not what Jesus said he set out to establish. Jesus did not say this, okay, because this is what most people, this is what I hear when most people say, you know, I have my own private time with God, I don't need anybody else and all that stuff. Jesus didn't say this, I have come to build my church and it's just going to be you. The church is all believers, amen, and we need each other, Amen. So we need to understand, you know, why am I so worked up about this? You know what I mean? Why? All those questions would be solved if you was with your brothers and sisters more often. Because then they'd say, hey, brother, let's pray about that. Hey, let's see what the word says about that. Hey, let's, amen? But you don't get any of that just watching a sermon at home. None. Amen? All right, let's get to a text. That way nobody wants to crucify me, okay? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 is the main text, but I'm going to read from verse 22, okay? So Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22 through 25, and it says this, 
Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he who is faithful, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as ye see the day approach. Now this verse, people say, oh, this ain't no big deal, Pastor. This is like one of the only times it's mentioned in the Bible about us gathering together. But this is a very important passage. And I'm going to show you some of the importance of this passage. Just verse 25, okay? Just verse 25. This is R.C. Sproul in the uh, Reformed, uh, the Reformed Study Bible says this. Not neglecting to meet together. The believers have been severely persecuted. This is talking about the Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 10, okay? Apparently leading to some of them from not joining the corporate assembly. Verse 32 30 through 34. Assembling with other believers in the public worship of God on the Lord's day is a duty of the Christian life. That's a pretty big statement. I was like, really? He went there? He was like, this is a duty? Yeah, who, look. Most of us have the wrong idea about the word duty, okay? We may, in nowadays, in modern-day Christianity, if you say it's a duty, it's your duty. People go, oh, like, that's a four-letter word. And it is D-U-T-Y, right? Duty. But that duty isn't like, oh, I have to. It should be a want to of a Christian to want to do these things. Now, what he is saying here, he said, don't forsake the assembly together of yourself as the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approach. The, the, the constant and the, the ever-lying problem in our Christian walk is to get us to stop doing the things that will help us. The enemy's goal, your flesh's goal, is to get you to do things that will not help you. Stay home. You don't feel good. Just stay home, right? Somehow that's helpful to stay home. But in all actuality, I'm probably missing some blessing, some, some encouragement, some exhortation that I would get from being around other brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? Now, I'm not talking about people who are quarantined or people who are actually sick. I'm talking about those Sunday mornings or the Wednesday nights. Where you're driving home from work and you're like, do I really even want to go? Is it worth my time? And that's what it all boils down to for me, okay? It's worth, okay? Because people do what they want to do and they do what they love to do. And most people, if they want to do something, you don't have to talk them into it. Amen? You don't have to beg them. You don't have to plead with them. You don't have to talk them into it. They'll do it. 
because they want to. So for me, I'm a little pessimistic. So when people say, oh, you know, this and that, I, what I see is a lack of commitment where I probably shouldn't. Maybe I'm too cynical about people when they're not here. And if, if you feel like I'm being too cynical for you or to you for you not being here, I apologize. That's not my goal. My goal isn't to make you feel bad. My goal is to show you the importance of meeting together. Amen. I want to I want to read I want to read a couple things here and I'm pretty sure it's in this Bible. Hold on. That's why I brought two. <laughs> you guys ain't y'all I don't know if you're going to be ready for all the different uh, commentary I'm going to bring out here on this. Where to go? There we go. <clears throat> the ESV study Bible has a section from uh, chapter 10 verse 24 through 25 and this is the commentary on this section it says this and I want you to think about this while I'm reading it it says let us consider the third and final exhortation in verse 22 through 25 calls for serious thinking about other Christians with a purpose to stir up or to provoke them in their love and service and to good works. Christian perseverance is thus also a community endeavor. So for Christians to persevere, it's just not as simple as here, you got saved and you just persevere. Perseverance is going to come through the trials and the testing and the brothers and sisters in Christ who sharpen you and rub off all the rough edges and all those things, perseverance is going to come from that. How many of you know people who were doing really good when they were in church and when they got out of church? Not so much. Do you know why? Because it's hard to persevere on your own. It's hard to persevere by yourself. It's hard to persevere and, and, and continue to strive towards the goal, towards the mark of high calling when you're by yourself. Because we're not meant to be by ourselves. We're meant to be a part of the body. Paul says that we all need each other. And when all, when all the parts are fit together and doing their part, right? Isn't that what he said? Now watch this. He says... Uh, Christian perseverance is thus a community endeavor, meeting together. Community encouragement towards perseverance requires being together. That some were neglecting this duty. Notice that the, NIV, the ESV uses this too in its commentary and calls this a duty. Okay? Notice that. It says, uh, for some were neglecting this duty may have been among uh, may have been among the motives of the author's warning throughout this book. This is not the first time he's encouraging them to be together, to strive together, to work together. In this one, he just simply uses the words, don't forsake the assembling, right? He said, encourage one another. Encouraging the voice of exhortation with the goal of strengthening another's faith. And that for the day drawing near, the coming day of Christ's 
return and final judgment. This is what we're talking about. How are we going to persevere till the end? It isn't going to be alone. You're not going to do it by yourself. Amen. This passage is therefore not just uh, saying, oh, you need to go to church because you're supposed to be at church. What it's saying is you need to go and be a part of the body because this is how we're going to persevere. This is how we're going to make it. Amen. This is how we're going to make it. Uh, the ESV study Bible note that we just read was so profound when I read it because he says that this uh, perseverance is a community endeavor, meaning we're not going to do it by ourselves. Amen? And this is why Paul's given the admonition. He says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhort. That word exhort means encourage. Encourage one another to keep meeting. Encourage one another to keep coming. Encourage one another to keep showing up. Why? Because if we don't, we're going to fall in the cracks and crevices of life and we're going to get stuck there and then we're not going to keep growing. We're not going to continue in perseverance because we think that uh, we don't need anybody. The reality is we do need each other. And so much more as you see the day approach. Amen? I want to look at a word. Everybody likes words and definitions and all that stuff. We've talked about this word before, and I'm going to talk about it again. The word is ecclesia, and I used to say ecclesia because that's the way it sounds and the way it looks like it's spelled to me. But since Pastor uh, Brett Baggett's church is called Ecclesia Church, I probably ought to say it right so I don't offend him, okay? Since he named his church after some Greek word that nobody actually pronounces correct except him, apparently. Okay? Love you, Brett. Uh, the Strong's word, Ecclesia, number 1577, simply means this. Congregation, assembly, church, a popular meeting, especially a religious gathering. Everybody got that? That's what the word Ecclesia means, in the, according to Strong's, okay? Now, it's a compound word, of the Greek word 1537, which means from or out, or out from, okay? Now watch this. And it is a derivative of the word 2564 in the Greek language from Strong's that means bidden or called by name. So if we were to put all of this together, the, the word ekklesia means a called out by name congregation of believers. That's what the word ecclesia means or church. And it means gathered. Okay? Gathered. Notice the word gathered. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Amen? Now in doing this Inevitably, when you start talking about meeting together, people will bring up a verse that is totally misinterpreted, misrepresented. And this verse is found in Matthew chapter 18. And I want you to go with me to Matthew chapter 18. 
and you're going to realize as soon as I read this verse, and you're going to think, before you get to the end of it, what's wrong with that verse, Pastor? That Doesn't that mean what, that, what I think it means? Nope. Matthew 18. And I'm just going to read verse 20, and then we're going to backtrack and read the whole thing. Okay? When you get there, say amen. All right, he says, For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Now, if you take that verse just by itself, you can make it mean what modern Christianity has made it mean. Well, wherever two people are, well, it doesn't even mean that. Even in modern, even if we're just taking this verse right out of context, which we're going to put it back in context in a second. But this verse, if we're going to take it the way modern Christians try to use it, notice as it says, for wherever two or three are gathered together in my name. Now, first of all, it says gathered. That requires a physical being with each other. Okay? Not virtually, not just from a distance, but together. Gathered. Right? Notice the next thing, that it would have to mean a gathering that was for the purpose of meeting in Jesus' name. So even if we were trying to take it out of context like modern Christianity does, it doesn't mean what they say it means. Where Wherever you're at, that means you're having church. No, you're having church wherever you have set aside time to come together in Jesus' name. That's where you're having the church gather. Not just any old place where you've purposely made a choice to do so. Okay? That is a church service. But this verse has nothing to do with church service. Now I'm going to blow your spot all up, okay? Because I know everybody uses it for that. But this is in a context with a whole section of scripture starting at verse 15. Let's start reading from verse 15 so you can get some context with this verse. Moreover, if Thy brother shall trespass against thee. Go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall not hear thee, thou if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two. Notice, I want you to underline this. I want you to think about this in your mind. Right here, verse 16, he said, take one or two more. That in the mouth of two or three witnesses, notice what he says, two or three witnesses, right? Underline two or three witnesses. I want you to see this. Every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it to the church. If he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen, a heathen man and a publican. Now watch this. Remember, this is the context that the next verses coming are in. The next three or four verses that we've taken out of context for years are tied to these three verses here, 15, 16, and 17. We're talking about a brother who sins, and we go to him with two or three witnesses, right? Now watch this. 
Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now notice that verse there has been taken completely out of context. Because the context that we use it in today is, well, whatever I pray for him and, and loose on earth, like I'm, I'm buying these powers and I'm buying that and I loose this. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about winning my brother who sinned. You can't divorce this verse from the three previous verses. There's a context of what Jesus is talking about. You can't divorce it. Now watch this. Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father in heaven. Now notice we've taken that verse out of context. And you, whatever I want, I can pray for and I can get it. How's that worked out for everybody? Let me ask you, have you ever prayed for a bunch of stuff that didn't happen? I'm serious. Raise your hand if you prayed for something and it didn't happen, okay? The reality is we pray that way because we've taken this verse out of context, meaning whatever I want, God's going to do. But that's not. That's not taught in Scripture. God's going to do what God wants to do. Your prayers, God will hear you. It doesn't mean it's always going to be yes, and it doesn't mean it's always going to be this way. It doesn't mean it's going to be your way. Amen? I'm pretty sure that some people in the room sprayed for some stuff I know of, me included, and it went the other way. So does that make this verse a liar? No, that makes my understanding of this verse wrong. That makes me have to dig back in here and find the truth in this verse. Okay? Now watch this. We're going to read verse 20. Because it's tied together. Remember back here in verse 16 where it said, uh, take with the uh, one or two more and then out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, right? Now watch this. Verse 20, for wherever there are two or three gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. Well, who's this two or three? The two or three are the two or three from verse 16. That's the two or three. Now watch this. You say, well, Pastor, this doesn't make any sense that it's tied together with forgiving my brother. Oh, really? Read the next verse. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how often shall I forgive my brother against, uh, how, how often shall I forgive my brother's sin against me? And I will forgive him till seven times. And Jesus saith unto him, not unto thee, uh, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times Seven. So I want you to notice the three verses that have been taken out of context completely. Verse 18, 19, and, uh, oh, no, it's verse 18 and 19, right? Just two verses. Two verses taken completely out, well, three if you count 20, right? So 18, 19, and 20 have been taken out of context, but what's the context surrounding them? The first three verses are talking about forgiving your brother. The last two verses are what? About forgiving your brother. So we cannot divorce the three verses in between to try to say something that it's not saying. You see what I mean? So these verses apply to forgiving my brother. Notice that he says if they don't listen to those two or three, go tell the church. 
And we already discussed what the church is. What's the church? The gathered assembly of believers called out by name believers of God. Amen. That's what ecclesia is. That's what the church is. So this verse, Matthew 18 and 20, does not represent, I can just have church anywhere I want. That is a fraud. That's fake. That's the wrong idea. The church gathers together specifically for the worship of Christ. That's what we're doing. Amen? Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. That's what we're doing. We're gathering as brothers and sisters in Christ to worship God. And we're going to go over that here in just a second. Go with me, if you will, to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And we've talked about this before as well, okay? We, we have talked about this chapter in Acts also. This is after Jesus, or after Peter uh, preached to the three thousand, or to all the people on the day of Pentecost, right? You have uh, the, the upper room experience at the very beginning of Acts 2, and then Peter comes out and, and preaches a message to the crowd, right? And starting at verse 37, you get the crowd's response, okay? Now I want you to see some stuff here. He said, now when they had heard this, they were pricked in their hearts. First of all, I'm going to stop right there. What pricked them in their heart? The Holy Spirit did, obviously, prick their hearts. With what? Well, not condemnation. What do we, what do we say in, the, in, in response to what the Holy Spirit does? He convicts, right? He convicts me of sin and of righteousness. First of all, my sin. Second of all, God's righteousness. Amen? Because I don't have any righteousness of my own. Amen? Oh, it's real quiet in here. And he said unto Peter and, and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise, for the promise is unto you and unto your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words he did testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from, unto, uh, from, the, from this untoward generation. Then they, shall, then they gladly received his word and were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Now I want you to notice the next three or four verses are pretty important. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in the prayers. Stop. So what we saw was 3,000 people come to faith in Christ, right? And these 3,000 people that came to faith in Christ, it says that they continued steadfastly. Now, if you have an ESV, it's going to say they uh, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread. Now, we've, we've taught it as devoted themselves. Uh, the, the King James said continue steadfastly. What that means is they kept doing it. It was a habit. It became their routine. It became something that they did all the 
time. Okay? Now, you say, well, that ain't what it says. Really? Let's keep going. Uh, verse 43. And fear came upon every soul. Many signs and wonders were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together, and they had all things in common. And they sold their possessions and their goods, and they parted them to, every, to all men, every man as needed. And they continued daily. Read that word. I, who, who got, what, what, what version of Bible you got? Yeah, NIV or, got it. King James, who got an NIV? Anybody got an NIV? What's your say? You, Acts chapter 2, verse 46. Acts chapter 2, verse 46. I want you to read about the first five words. Okay, stop. Every day. See, the, the, the NIV gets right to it. Every day. Amen. I believe the, the ESV says daily. Okay. I believe the King James here says, and they continued daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and single and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as would be saved. Now, I got a question for you, okay? Now, this is my problem as a pastor, and it's your problem as a church, okay? The problem is this. Daily and daily. They were meeting daily, and they were seeing people added daily, okay? I know that don't sound good, right? Because now, all of a sudden, every church in town, we're missing it. We're missing the mark. Every, every pastor in town, we're missing it. Every congregation in town, we're missing it. Why? Because we think we're committed to one time a month or two times a month or even, you know, me two days a week, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, feel like I'm committed. They meant daily. Daily. Now, I'm not going to meet daily, okay? My effort in this sermon is not to get us to meet daily. My effort in the sermon is to understand that if we're really in Christ and we're really in this together, we want to be around each other and we know the benefit of being around each other. Amen? We, we see the benefit of coming together. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to have a fellowship dinner after every Sunday morning service so we can have that time. Amen? Because it's part of what they did. Now I want to read this. These four practices, this is my King James study Bible. It says uh, on verse 42, these four practices, learning, doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers provided insight to the priorities of the early Christian church. These same practices should be considered normative in today's church. The apostles' teaching was probably similar to Peter's message at Pentecost. That is to say, it focused on making Christ known by appealing to eyewitness testimony and prophecies of the Old Testament. Early Christians gathered together regularly for edification, prayer, and exhortation. The breaking of bread probably included fellowship meals and participation in the Lord's Supper. You seeing this? 
Why am I bringing this up? Because people act like church isn't no big deal. People act like, oh, you know, I can stay at home and I can get everything I can get there. No, you can't. You can't get the same thing as you can if you came Sunday morning. You had song service with us. And we, you heard the word of God with us. You were able to pray with other people or pray with other believers. You're able to go in the, in the fellowship hall and eat a meal and sit down and love your brother and sister in Christ and know that they built you up that day. Amen. You don't get that at home. You don't get to partake of the Lord's table at home. Because the Lord's table is put together with the believers. Amen? It's, it's when we're together. So I want to I wanna give you an exhortation. Okay? I want to encourage you that coming to church is about learning, following, and holding fast to the, to the teaching and the doctrine that was given to us. Amen? It's also about fellowship and being with our brothers and sisters in Christ that can sharpen us, that can edify us, that can, that can correct us when we need it. Amen? You won't get any of that from home. The breaking of bread, the fellowship of the saints, having time, spending time together, the Bible says that this is how all men shall know that you're my disciples, the love that you bear one for another. Not how much time, how fast you get out of the parking lot when church is over, right? Or, or how often you, you know, oh, I gotta stay home. Look, I love you, but if you can be at church and you're a believer, you probably need to be at church. And finally, prayers, okay? Now, when it says the prayers, the ESV says the prayers, that, that must mean that there's specific types of praying that goes on at church that don't really go on at home. Okay? So the prayers, notice what he said in James. When James says, is there any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. How are you going to do that at home? Come on. I'm just being real, okay? Come to church. Get prayed for. Whatever situation you got going, come on, bring it to the Lord. Let your brothers and sisters in Christ come and pray with you. Come pray for you. Amen. That's part of believing and, and, and following Christ. And it's not a lone ranger experience. It's a corporate endeavor. Like the, the ESV Bible said is a corporate endeavor. I was like, wow, I need, to, I need to memorize that. Because we need it. Amen. We need to understand the importance of of the gathering, amen? And most importantly, and we already read it out of Matthew, but I want to reiterate it, Matthew 18 and 20, the purpose of gathering is in his name. Because every time we meet, we're gathering to honor Christ. Partaking of the bread and the wine is to honor the covenant. Reading the word is to remind us of who Jesus is. What he did for me. How he has expectations of me going forward. Amen. The fellowship of the saints is to remind us that good or bad, we're going to stick together. Amen. Because the worse it gets, Hebrews chapter 10, 25. Do not forsake together, gathering together of yourselves the custom of some, but all the much more. We're going to need it 
all the much more. Going forward, we're going to need it all the much more, not less, more. Amen. And finally, prayer. Prayer is a great prayer. Anybody can pray all the time, anywhere. But there is something about praying with your fellow believers. Notice, when Peter was in prison, he didn't say, oh, all the churches, was, everybody was at home at their own place praying. It says they were all praying. The church praying without ceasing. That means they were gathered. Because they don't use the word church when people ain't together. Notice in the New Testament, they don't use the word church unless the church is gathered. They won't use the word. They'll just tell you who was there. Paul, Silas, Barnabas, Steve. But when it's the church, they said the church. And the church prayed. That means they were gathered, praying, without ceasing. And then an angel came in and let Peter go right out of jail. But because the church was praying together. Amen? We need each other. We need to be a part of each other. That's the whole purpose of the church is to be gathered. So for the government or uh, state officials or, or, or uh, help, help people to say, oh, the church can meet virtual. No, the church is not meeting when it's virtual. You might get to hear a sermon, but the church is not meeting when it's virtual. It's a good idea for a short-term uh, band-aid, but the solution is always to look forward to coming back to church. I kind of feel like we've done a detriment to our own church by setting an expectation that people can just stay at home and watch rather than come here, and they don't even realize they're missing out. Amen? They don't even realize that I'm missing, you know, I'm not to say that that's not a good thing, but it's just temporary, and it should not be a permanent way of life for the church because we are supposed to be together. Amen? Let's stand. I'm going to pray. I know everybody's like, man, Pastor, you're telling everybody here that we're already here. Well, maybe you can go tell other people. Amen? Share the video. Make sure you sign up for the podcast. That way you can share it with them too. We need it. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your patience and your kindness and your gentleness towards us, even when we don't see things the right way, even when we see things in a very skewed way that we shouldn't view it, God. But Lord, I pray that you would use this message to get everybody's mind and heart focused on how the church is a benefit in their life, how we benefit one another, how you've called us together, you've, you've sanctioned us to come together. It's our duty as fellow believers to come. It's an endeavor, a corporate endeavor that we need to do as we follow you, as we serve you, as we run after you, God. Let us all do it together. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.